It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Lori DeJarnett loves the way quilt makers made do with what they had. They didn't use fancy tools or the latest gadgets, but boy could they create treasures. She says even when the points were chopped off and the borders didn't meet exactly where they hoped they would, these quilts have stood the test of time for being practical and beautiful. Lori calls them humble quilts. And it's these quilts that she named her business after. I especially enjoyed Lori's giving spirit as we chatted. Lori, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. I'm anxious to hear your story. Thank you. And I am happy to be here. And thanks for asking me to be here today. Uh Uh-huh. So glad to have you. Tell me about where you were born and raised. Well, I was born and raised at least through high school in North Seattle. So I was a city girl and we did a lot of outdoor activities and enjoyed the rain. And then I moved to Oregon when I was in high school. And now I don't really miss the city. (laughs) I like to go for fun. And it was great being raised with a lot of opportunities, but I do like the small town now. Well, growing up in the city, did you have a special childhood memory? I'm going to go back a generation. My dad was raised in Wyoming. And so even though we were in the city, every time it snowed or just every opportunity we had, we did a lot of camping. We did a lot of fishing. I remember just going up. My dad would put chains on the truck and take his wife and four of us kids all out sledding up to the mountains. And I look back and he always had his eight millimeter camera. So a lot of that is filmed. And I just think like, wow, between my mom and dad, it's a lot of work to take four kids. I mean, I have one up where I think I'm just a toddler and we didn't have all the snow stuff because we were in the Seattle area. So we would just do like the plastic bread things over our feet and our hands. We never knew any of that. We never knew about the other stuff. We just knew that we had a lot of outdoor fun activities that we did and that our parents really encouraged. So those are my really kind of fun childhood memories was always doing stuff outdoors or just like walking in the rain. My oldest sister is eight years older than I am. And we walked in the rain a lot. Just like, hey, let's go for a walk in the rain. We would just do it for fun. So those are some good childhood memories that I have. Of fun. I'm curious, did you ever dance in the rain as you were walking along? No. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, we didn't. We weren't like really strict, but we did go to church and stuff. I don't know. Dancing just kind of wasn't a thing that my parents did or... Yeah, I just I don't even remember like dancing around at home like we did when our kids were little, but not when I was little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was the pastor's kid, so we weren't allowed to dance either. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really remember even having a TV. So it's not like I would recall like 
Bing Crosby or any of those or Lawrence Welk or I don't really remember watching TV. So I don't know if we might have one and I just don't remember it or we just didn't have one. Yeah. Other than quilting, did you have employment after high school? Well, did you go to college? I did not go to college. Okay. So when I moved down here to Madras, when I was in high school, I met my husband. But before we were married, I went to work for his dad. So who's my future father-in-law. And he owned an auto parts store. And basically, I worked there until we sold it one year ago. And I worked there on and off as I raised the kids. I didn't have to work there. But then when I could work there, I did. And so it was definitely kind of on and off over the course of 40 plus years that I worked there. And eventually it was my husband's business. And then so in turn, that means that was our business together. So that wasn't really like a career, but I did learn a lot. I did a lot of bookkeeping, but when necessary, I would go help customers too. Say, how can I help you today? And they would need auto parts. And so I would help them with their auto parts. (laughs) Very practical job. (laughs) I bet you learned a lot. Yeah, I did. More than I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) My husband's grandmother warned me about learning certain things because she had learned how to drive the tractor just because she wanted to learn to do it. And then after her husband died, she was the only one that could do it. And she had to do it because she knew how. So she warned me, don't learn it unless you really, really want to do it. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Totally understand that. Okay, so we kind of covered how you got to where you are now. Is there anything else about your family you would like to share? Just that I have two great kids that I raised in a small town. I homeschooled for seven years. I homeschooled them both at different times and some together and really enjoyed that. But kind of left it up to them if they wanted to go to public school or not. We didn't have any options, so it was public school or homeschool. They both live in Oregon now, and they're terrific kids, very smart. And yeah, I mean, who doesn't say that about their kids, though? But anyway, no, they're good kids. They appreciate my quilts, too. So I love that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How about other crafts that you do or have done? Well, when the kids were little, I actually taught myself to sew, especially when my daughter was born. My firstborn is a daughter. So I thought, well, that might be fun to like sew some clothes. So I kind of taught myself how to do that and kind of made curtains and like little home stuff, decor, pillows, things like that. Dabbled with a little bit of cross stitch. And... Yeah, I I loved gardening and stuff. That's not really a craft, but it kind of is. And so pretty much just, you know, home decor kind of stuff, placemats and curtains and easy things like that and cross-stitch. That was pretty much my the extent of crafting. I'd try a few other, whatever kind of was the in things, drying apples and making wreaths or, you know, I don't know, just doing random stuff of the corn husk dolls. So I've always kind of enjoyed creating things. I can look back now and just think like, man, those were ugly. But I mean, they were still fun to make. I think that whole desire to create 
is what draws me to quilting, but also draws me to those other kind of crafts. Yeah. Embroidery. That's another one. I still kind of do embroidery a little bit or needlepoint, not a lot, but as I'm aging, my eyes are getting worse. So I can't do too small of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even putting that binding on sometimes it's. Exactly. I have to take my glasses (laughs) and the light for sure. Yeah. You mentioned gardening and I was going to ask about other hobbies. So I love to grow flowers, but I don't like to weed. So that doesn't really go hand in hand very well. But I do try to plant stuff that can kind of take care of themselves. And I do enjoy like wildflowers and flower gardening. Haven't really had that much good luck with vegetable gardening because of our climate and um, critters. A lot of deer here. So I tried a few times and it's not worth all the time mm-hmm. to put into it. But the other thing that I do, which I had mentioned earlier with my dad taking us out, is I love to camp and I love to hike. And just recently, probably like 2018, so maybe four years ago, I started backpacking. So I've got everything in my pack. And then I kind of have a core group of girlfriends. We go out every year several times and we backpack. And my husband will go out with me like one big trip a year. He doesn't love it as much as I do, but he'll go with me, like do one big trip with me. And so I love that. There's something about seeing things that only people who are going to hike to them can see. If you're only going to use your two feet, the only people are going to see the same things I'm seeing. So there's something kind of cool about that. And then just going like where you're not going to see like a lot of people and I don't know, I'm just kind of communing with, I don't even want to say communing with nature, just being in nature is what I like. And I think when I was little, that love of the outdoors came from my dad. So I think that's why I kind of have that. And because I have the opportunity now, as far as with business and the kids are gone, that I can do that. How fun. Now, how long would one of those trips take? Well, it kind of depends. The girls and I like to plan one big trip. So a lot of times it's a loop or something. So, I mean, usually like three nights is about the maximum that we've gone out. So some of these bigger trips, we have to drive a kind of a distance to get to. And so it's like, if you're going to drive six hours, you might as well make it worth your while to go like several miles or whatever. So I think one that we're talking about doing this year is like a 40 mile. It's a tough one. I go, I don't think I can do 10 miles a day for four days. <laughs> and so we'll work it out. So this one might be one of the longest ones. So maybe like a five nighter. So anyway, lots of mileage and it's just fun. We just have a really good time. It's a really good core group of friends that we like to spend time with. That sounds really fun. It is. Yeah. I'm trying to picture how backpacking can show up in your quilting. Yeah, it does. So I am so inspired when I go out, especially let's say in the spring, and I see like wildflowers just blooming all over the place. And they're every color. To me, that totally translates into the type of quilts I like to make, which are scrap quilts. Or I see like different color combinations. My husband and I did a hike up to Mount St. Helens. 
this year and the wildflowers were blooming. It was so beautiful. And just to see like, oh, purple and yellow, those go good together. How do they fall on the color wheel? You know, or green as a neutral really kind of, I mean, green is everywhere outside. So if you put even like brown and green, you know, brown trees or whatever, it definitely translates to quilting. I think a lot of it is just like the color of the colors that I see out there. When Christmas is all over and like January is kind of a time to redecorate my house, what I think of is I see outside my door snow-capped mountains with we have a lot of sunny blue skies but our ground and everything and the trees are all pretty barren and brown so those are kind of the blue and the brown color combination or like blue and white quilts kind of really remind me of the mountains that I see every day or the ones I climb I guess it could be some of the mud too but you know if the weather's not that good I'm not really one of those diehards that has to go out when the weather's bad But so really, I see probably in my quilting, I see more when I see my quilts, I see, oh, that that's what that reminds me of. That reminds me of those snow-capped mountains or that reminds me of that wonderful flower patch that I saw. So it definitely has a correlation. That is really cool. (laughs) Thanks. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. Kind of a funny story about that, but even just going back kind of a long ways when I was little, I didn't really know that much about quilting, but I have a picture of my mom on the floor tying a quilt, all polyester, one of those kind that I think it might even be in our camper, but I never really put two and two together. I mean, she did it out of necessity. It wasn't really like beauty So one winter, my sister-in-law, who also lived in the same town that I live in, said, hey, I saw a sign up at the stitching post in Sisters, Oregon, that they're having beginners quilt class. What do you think? Do you want to do it with me? And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. Sure. You know, so we looked into it more. It was like six week course with Jean Wells, who's the owner and the person that started the stitching post up there. She was just teaching a basic beginner's class where you made a sampler quilt. So we drove up once a week in the winter on ice, in snow, everywhere else. And once a week we'd go up, she would tell us, this is what you're going to make this week. She would show us how to make it, how to use the tools. That's how I learned you know, how to use a rotary cutter, how to applique different ways, everything that you needed to know to make a quilt is what we learned. But then we would come home and then we would have that week to make the pattern that she gave us. And then the next week we'd go and bring our things and it's like, oh, how'd this work? Whatever. She was so approachable. She was a great teacher. So we did that for six weeks. And then we put our quilt together. I was like, by golly, I have a quilt. And I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I learned so much. That was 1993. So the next year in 1994, somebody else was offering a class up there and was a star sampler. The first class, we learned the basics. We learned how to put colors together. The second class, we learned how to make your seams all join properly, how to use a quarter inch seam, how to iron right, how to do a set in seam, all those other trickier things that basically built on the first class. And so it was my sister in law who definitely doesn't quilt as much as I do now. 
But we did these two quilt classes together and that was the foundation for all the quilting that I've done since then. And I learned so much from those two classes. It was just incredible. And both Jean Wells and Lori Thorne, like this was 1993, however many years that is. They're still teaching there. So they're still passing their love of quilting on to the next generation, which is awesome. So yeah, that was great. And I just never looked back. Like I said, my sister-in-law doesn't quilt near as much as I do, but I have just made quilts ever since. Now, I've heard a really nice quilt show in Sisters, Oregon, right? Have you had a chance to have a quilt of yours in that? I have. And what I love about that is there's no judging. They want people who've taken classes to enter their quilts and then just to love seeing their quilts being shared with other people. So pretty much anybody can enter a quilt. I've seen some pretty poorly made quilts there. But you know what? That's somebody's quilt that they made and it's precious to them. And it was so precious that they wanted to put it in the show and share it with other people. They were encouraged to do that. So I love that. And that still is the same heartbeat of the show, which is great. So yeah, I've had several quilts in there. I've actually sold quilts in there. And then I haven't lately. Things have been a little crazy the last three years, but I try to go and keep it on my calendar every year. So it's one to not be missed. It's a fun show. It sounds like it. Yeah, it's great. Do you have a favorite quilt, either one that you've made or that someone else has made, but you just love? When I was thinking about this, it seemed like every quilt that I'm working on is a favorite. But one of my favorites, and I've said it a couple of times when I do my lectures, was a quilt that I designed in EQ. It was not like it was like revolutionary or anything, but I took a picture of an antique quilt when I was in Ohio. And I just kept that picture in my room and it had this wonderful zigzag setting. It was green. It was like a poison green and double pinks. And it just had sawtooth stars one point in between it. So finally, one of these days, like, yep, I'm going to make that quilt. And I finally did. And I started making all of the stars. It was like six inch sawtooth stars. But I love that quilt. When I'm showing that one, that is my favorite. That's like really one of my favorites. And I think it was just because it was just like from my heart. It was just like, I just love that quilt. The setting was so unusual. And that I figured it out myself. How do I put this together? How do I do this setting? Because I've never done that setting before. And so that was kind of special to me. And I love that quilt. It's not for everybody because it's that double pink and poison green. And then all the stars are all different reproduction colors, but pretty bright. But it is one of my favorites. Neat. I just love it when we look at something and it's like, oh, I'm enjoying that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And what is a tool that you use that you are so happy you have? I'm not a real gadgety kind of quilter. There's a lot of quilters that are pretty, have a lot of gadgets. I don't. But if I'm sewing, I have a little pair of snippers that I snip. And it's like, what would I do without those? I have the small ones and I have a bigger pair. And I don't like to have to grab the scissors, put both my fingers in the scissors. And 
you know, the snippers are just so nice. Or if you're a chain piece and you can just snip, snip, snip. Yeah. And the other thing that I love is Kai scissors. You can get them out of Seattle. They're at almost every show. They are like really my favorite scissors. They make like, I don't know how many different pairs of scissors, but like for wool and for fabric, they don't slip around. And I just love them. Huh. I think I've heard that name before, but I'm not real familiar with it. Right. Yeah. I love them. I was surprised at how many steps there are in making a quilt. And some people love this and they hate that. Do you like each step along the way or do you prefer certain steps in the quilting process? I totally prefer making a quilt top. (laughs) You know what I really like when I'm making my patterns or if I'm doing like a like I quilt along on my blog or whatever. I was like, okay, then make this blog, put it on your design wall, admire it. Ta-da, look what you've done. Sometimes I still feel like, look what I made, you know, or maybe something is like, wow, I tried new colors and I hate it. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh, I tried new colors. I don't like it, but I've made the quilt block. What am I going to do with it? I don't make complicated quilt tops, but I like seeing the quilt tops come together And I'm not a chain piecer. I mean, I have done chain piecing, but I like to make one block and put it up. And it's like, oh, that looks really nice. Then I'll make like maybe three more blocks and then I'll put them all up and I'll admire how the top looks. And so really piecing and putting that top together, seeing your creation come to life out of all these different fabrics, I guess to me, that never really gets old. The rest of it is kind of the same. Quilting is hard. Basting is hard. <laughs> I do like binding sometimes if it's a really big quilt, it can be hard to, to put on. But I love just hand sewing it down at night or whatever in front of the television, or I don't mind the hand sewing. But the rest of it, I find quilting is probably the most tedious, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least enjoyable. <laughs> do you still quilt on a domestic or do you have a long arm? I just quilt on my domestic machine and I do hand quilting. Not a lot. I started having a lot of problems with my hands and I've kind of worked through that a little bit now, but I did buy one of those go cutters. So if I'm going to cut strips, like if I need to cut like a lot of lengths of strips, that really has helped my hand and my, I think it was actually carpal tunnel or something, but everything I was doing, gripping, sewing, rotary cutting, everything was putting that extra pressure on my hands and my wrist. And so the Go Cutter has helped a lot in that fashion. So I have laid off like quilting really big quilts. The last one that I hand quilted was 100 by 100. It was just massive and it takes me forever. I'm super slow. So yeah, just use my, just have my home machine. <laughs> Share with me. Your worst quilting experience? You know, it's funny is I can't really say that I've had a really bad quilting experience, but maybe like two years ago. So this is a current one, kind of a current one. Sometimes the most obvious things you overlook and then you're like, what? What was I thinking when I did that? So I sent a quilt to a machine quilter to have them baste it for me on their long arm. But I had all intentions of machine quilting my quilt once I got it back. 
I was going to do like cross hatching and a lot of people who have the long arm cross hatching doesn't really work that well on there. I think you have to be kind of gifted in that way. So I was like, just baste it for me and I'll do it on my machine. So when it came time for me to start quilting it, I was getting hung up on every single one of those basting stitches. My foot would get caught underneath then I'd have to trim it and then it would do it again. So I was stopping like, I don't know, like 20 times on one row. And I was like, this is not going to work. I think I had one or two rows already done. I have three people that do machine quilting for me when I need a long armor to do it. And so I called one of them and I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm in a bind here. And so she looked at it. I think I had her on FaceTime or something. Just like, what the heck was I doing? So she's like, yeah, I can take care of that for you. So I went and I took out all the basting stitches that I had paid to get put in, took out all of my stitches, folded it all up very nicely with the batting and the backing and the top and put it in a box and sent it away to be machine quilted. <laughs> so it's not really quilted the way I would want it quilted. I love my quilter. There's no doubt about that. But I was like, oh, yeah, sure, do that one. But it's an old quilt, but it kind of has a modern quilting on it. So for me, it's not what I wanted the quilt to look like. It's totally fine. You know, I have a lot of quilts. So if a quilting doesn't turn out exactly the way I don't want it, or if I find a mistake that maybe my quilter has done, I'm not going to tell them because it's only a quilt. And these people who are quilting for me are my friends. The friendship is more important than a tuck in the back or whatever. I don't know, you know, so I may not be like thrilled about it, but it's like, whatever, it's not the end of the world. My friendship is more important. So that was what I felt like with this quilt. It was like, whatever, you know, I like the quilt top. But I use that now when I go to my lectures to tell them, like even an experienced quilter who's been quilting for over 25 years can make like these bonehead <laughs> errors. I don't even know what I was thinking, but that's why you don't have them baste it if you're going to use a machine. Anyway, so I learned. I had to learn that all afresh. <laughs> <laughs> My quilt blog is called Humble Quilts. And I tell people, you know what? Things happen. Mistakes happen in our quilts. We make mistakes or like we make big, you know, moves like that. It doesn't matter how long you've been quilting. These things are going to happen. Perfection is completely overrated. So I like the quilts that I make to be used, to be loved, you know, to be drug around in the house from chair to chair or whatever. Or if the kids, mom, it's cold in my apartment. I need an extra blanket. That's why I'm making them. And they can call it a blanket. They know better not to do that. So I'll give them the quilt that I'm not necessarily going to be using in my lectures. But there's always something to be learned. There's a lot more stuff going on that we need to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always interested in why do we do what we do. So what do you think has drawn you to spend your time quilting rather than doing something else that you enjoy? Well, I think really it's the art of creating something, which is great. It really gives us a lot. Like there's something very soothing about handwork. I remember going to my dad's bedside when he was in the hospital. And I associate that with like the quilt that I was working on when I was with him. I have a lecture. It's actually called 10 Reasons I Quilt. 
And that's one of them is just like mental therapy is just good for the soul. There's a lot of reasons, more than 10, but that's probably like a good one. And I think just the joy that it brings, whether it's to other people or I don't know, what else would I be doing? (laughs) (laughs) And who do you make your quilts for? Mostly, I don't really have an agenda for my quilts unless I'm making them for somebody specific, which I don't really do that often. So I'm going to give you like an example. So I've made a lot of quilts and a lot of them are just like, I kind of want to try this new technique. I want to try this new color combination. Oh, that looks interesting. I kind of want to try to make that block or whatever. Can I do that? Like a challenge. And then when we hear of disasters or when we hear of horrible things happening, and I'm going to just use the example of the town of Paradise. When the town of Paradise in California burned, basically the entire town burned to the ground. I had people that were affected by that, friends that I knew, and we were really affected, probably maybe more so on the West Coast too. It was pretty brutal. It was awful. And so I used my blog and kind of did a call out. What do you guys have? People down there, quilt shops are accepting quilts and fabrics and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, what I did is I went through all of the quilts that I had in my house. And I was able to take 19 of my own quilts that I had made. And a lot of it I did kind of use, am I going to use this in one of my lectures or am I not? And even if I was, but I could use something else, it still went. So I was able to donate 19 of the quilts that I had made to Paradise. And what made that actually even more special was my niece, who was working for us at the time, we drove down together to California with a pickup full of coats and pants and quilts and anything else that they said that they needed. And we were able to distribute those two people in need down there. It just really teaches you that we have a lot of stuff that we don't need. But I always like just in my head to say, hey, if I'm making this quilt, that's fine. There's going to be another opportunity. There's always opportunities to help other people, whether it's one person or whether it's an entire town. So I like to think that I'm making my quilts for a future reference or Another time my brother would be in town and he's like, hey, I don't have one of your quilts. Can I bring one of your quilts back to China? And so I would choose several quilts and let him pick which one he wants to take. So as long as I have some here at the house, I usually do that. Most of the time I'm not making them for anybody specific. That's neat. That way you're making ones that you want to make and learning new things, it looks like. Exactly, exactly. And if I make a quilt and I really don't like it, I can find someone to give it to. Just like, just get it out of the house. I don't want to look at that anymore. They might. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had been asking, what are you working on right now? And that's what the question I sent you. But I'm finding that I should probably be asking, how many things are you working on right now? So I have a blog and I put challenges out during the year. Just fun things. I like to make people feel like we're part of a community. 
And so because we live in this big, bad world, it's so nice to bring people closer together. And I really feel like that's what the internet does. And I'm hoping that's what my blog does is bring people together. So right now I'm machine quilting a quilt that I put together using a panel and it's Buffalo Bill. So I did a historic panel challenge. So, you know, a lot of times we see these really cute panels or these cool things like Civil War generals or something and people buy them, but then they don't know what to do with them. Like, how do I use those? So probably mid-year, I said, hey, let's do a challenge using a panel. And I came across a bunch of panels too. So I was able to sell them. I was able to say, let's do this challenge. And if you want to be a part of it and you don't have one, then I've got one here for you if you want it. So it was a historical panel challenge. The due date was the end of November. And then I went on a mission trip last month. So I said, okay, I'm not going to have it done. So let's make it the end of the year. Well, I'm on the countdown. I'm machine quilting it now. So I think I just have a few days left. And I'm the leader. So I like to lead by example. So that's really what I'm working on right now. That's my main thing right now. I usually do just have like one main thing. So I'll say that's the one that I'm attempting to get finished in the next few days. I'm all set up. I'm ready to roll. I've got a few lines done. And I think it'll be really cool. So it's a unique panel. We just bought property in Wyoming. So I thought when I saw Buffalo Bill Cody's panel, that it would be very appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) People won't be listening to this episode for a few weeks. So I will say we're recording the last week of December. So you have a few days here. Right. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And share a quilting tip. I think I kind of mentioned it earlier. Admire your work as you're creating. Take some time to look at it and go, oh, I made that. That looks really good. You know, ta-da. I always use the words, ta-da, look what I made. So take a little bit of time. It's not a race. I mean, sometimes it might be, but for the most part, it's not a race. Just enjoy it. Admire your work. Admire other people's work. I'm not into modern quilting, but I admire what people can do. Yeah, just take a little bit of time. It's not a race. I mean, what's your hurry? (laughs) I always say great quilts can't be rushed. That's a good saying. (laughs) Because when we try to rush, that's when we start making the mistakes we don't want to undo. Right. Now, you do have a quilting business. Can you describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby in it becoming a business for you? I started a blog. It's been years now, and I called it Humble Quilts, which was perfect. And basically, the title of that comes from the older quilts that I admired that were not perfect. These amazing quilts are in museums, and the borders are chopped off, or the stars aren't always pointy. You know, they don't always have pointy, sharp seams. And so, I kind of took a cue from that and started my blog and called it Humble Quilts. Well, so this year, so almost one year ago, my husband and I sold our business. So we're not quite ready to retire, but I said, okay, well, I'm going to just focus a little bit more on trying to make money, (laughs) make a little bit of money doing what I love with my quilts. So I had been doing some guild 
classes and lectures, they always ask me like, do you have anything to sell? And I'd be like, no, I don't have anything to sell. And so I started patterning some of my designs and have tried that. So it's been like one year, basically at the end of this year, it'll be one year that I have kind of attempted that. And I just love being around people. I love sharing my love of quilts. And so I'm just going to focus more on that aspect. I'm going to be a vendor for the first time the third week in January. And so we'll see. We have to do a follow-up to that one and see how that goes. So I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit nervous. And if it goes good, then maybe I'll do more of that. I feel a little hesitant about putting myself like 100% out there, but I'm trying to. (laughs) Big steps. Yeah. And so your blog is called Humble Quilts. And that became the name of your business also, correct? Yes, correct. Just put Humble Quilts, even in a Google search, it comes up everything. So I have a Humble Quilts Facebook page. I've got a Humble Quilts blog. And then the Etsy store is Humble Quilts by Lori. I try to just change everything over to Humble Quilts. It's actually working. It's pretty catchy. So that part of it is working. I don't think I've heard it. (laughs) Any place else? I think I hit onto something really good when I came up with that one. Yeah. That's actually really worked for me. Yeah, that's great. You offer some workshops. How did you feel when someone first signed up for one of your workshops? Well, I was excited. I was ecstatic, but I was also a little nervous because it's like, okay, I can do it through my blog because that's all like still, but how can I translate that to in-person, which I actually love even more. So no, I was excited. Very first person that said, we want you to come to our guild and do a lecture and a workshop. And I was thrilled and I haven't looked back since. And they keep inviting you. So you must be doing a great job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I hope so. (laughs) How far do you travel from your home to do these lectures? I will travel as far as I need to, basically. The furthest I've traveled is Ohio. And I stayed with my friends. And then we lined up maybe four or five guild meetings, trunk shows. I don't think I did any workshops there because it's kind of hard to travel with that much. We just made like a little circuit. So Ohio, and then before COVID hit, I was going to go to Missouri. And I had three things lined up to do all at the same time. And then COVID hit. So we obviously know that everything went downhill after that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm willing to go wherever someone would have me. Now with um, Zoom, it's amazing because people from all over, I mean, not just the United States, even all over the world, We can connect with each other. And I just want to be available either way, whatever is going to work for that guild. A lot of them are doing hybrid kind of things now too. So one of them, I think I did a Zoom meeting where I was on a big screen in the classroom. And so that was a new thing. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know. Do I have my lipstick on? (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun. And I think Zoom has completely changed how we do meetings. In person is always better, but... I like that Zoom as an option. Yeah. Now, when they were doing the Zoom call with you and you were up on the big screen, they could all see you, but could you see the class? 
you know what? I think I could. And I don't know how they might have two computers set up so I could actually see the people out in the audience or whatever too. But that was a whole learning curve because I'm talking to a screen and everybody's muted. Not that particular one, but like my first Zoom meeting, it's like, you're not getting any feedback. It was hard to get used to. So anyway, but I could see the people out there. So that was kind of nice. I could ask questions and they could raise their hands and I could see them and stuff. It made it nice. I think that every group has to do what's going to work for them. Yeah. Now, out of your lectures and workshops, do you have a favorite one that you really enjoy giving? I do. The one that I really like and is actually the most popular, but it's probably because it's the one I like the most. It's called Reruns, Quilts Inspired by the Past. And so I start with quilts that I've made. They're reproductions, but I start like in 1940, in 1930, 1900s, and I work my way back in time. And I go all the way back to like 1830, using my reproduction quilts as an example. So I love that because each quilt tells a story. Yeah. On your website, I saw Quilt Along Linky Party. What is that? We just did a quilt along. A lot of times I will use my own pattern. And this year, somebody suggested using somebody else's pattern. And so we did. It was a little welcome quilt. I don't give the pattern. I mean, if it's my pattern, I do. If it's other people's patterns, I don't. They have to go purchase it from the designer. And we just kind of do it together. I think it's a lot of an accountability. Do you want to make this? Great. Let's see how they work out. And I just love seeing all the different varieties. People use cake fabrics or they'll use pastel fabrics or reproductions or plaids. Or It's just fun to see these in different ways and to see them all in one area. So that was the one I usually do a quilt along in the fall. This fall, I did the welcome quilt along and that was what the linky party was. But I try to do maybe like three different things with the linkies. (laughs) The linkies, I don't know, that's a funny word, but it's a great place to see all different varieties that people have done in one place. So I try to do several of those every year. I think I'm missing something. What is a linky? (laughs) And are you seeing them on Zoom or on Facebook or what? Perfect question. So I have a blog. And so what I will do is I paste a link in there. So let's say we do, we're just going to be finishing up our panel quilt challenge. So I'm going to want to see everybody's challenge quilt in one area. So then that way, everybody can just go to one blog. They can see all the creations. So they can go in and add if they have a link. It used to be you had to have a link, like another blog, but not very many people are blogging now. So you don't have to have a link. That's why it's called a linky party because you used to link up everybody. And so people can link up to their photos either at home or on Instagram or on their blog if they still have a blog. And then you can see everybody's picture on my blog because I'm the host of the party. And then you can still click on and you can go see a bigger version or more details about that specific quilt, whatever you see on there. So it's just a fun way to link back to other people and to kind of share our quilts online. Oh, neat. 
a neat way to get together. Yeah. Is there anything else about humble quilts you would like to share? Somebody asked me at one of the guilds that I did this summer, just so happened I was doing Glory B patriotic quilts. So they said, well, do you ever make quilts that aren't patriotic? And it was like, well, the lecture is patriotic. So I brought all my patriotic quilts. I says, of course I do. I make quilts that are totally out of my wheelhouse. So they're not necessarily all one style of quilt. And like I said earlier, I think we can just appreciate everybody's quilts, everybody's style of quilts. They may not be ones that I want to make, but I can appreciate the work that went into them and the design challenges that went into them. So I think we just, as quilters, just need to be supportive of each other, regardless of if it's the type of quilting we do or not. Yeah, I think for the most part, the quilting community is very uplifting of each other in that way. Yeah, I agree. Earlier, you told me where we can find your business. So I will have those links on your episode page so people can find you there. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed getting to know you and listening to your story. Thank you, Paul. I sure appreciate it. Well, thank you. Okay, take care. You too. Bye-bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.